Um, what we're going to do is we're going to open up to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And um, we've been reading this text. We've been reading this text through the whole series. You've probably noticed that. Uh, we're in a series that we're calling Distracted. And uh, real quick, this, just, this is from last week. How many of you did the whole thing I encouraged you to do last week, which was ask somebody else to tell you where you might be being distracted from more important things going on in your life? Did anybody do that? Okay, a couple of you, cool. I'd encourage that again. I'd encourage that again to ask, not you. You don't reflect on you. See, I've been a little concerned that through this series, some of you aren't latching onto this baby because I think a lot of you are thinking everybody else is super distracted from really important things, but I'm not. But see, that's where you're probably wrong. You're so distracted, you can't even see your own light. And so ask somebody else to just list one or two things about you that is, is most distracting you from maybe more important things. So my wife, for example, would say something like, Seth, your phone is a distraction oftentimes from our nightly being together as a family and stuff like that. That'd be an example, and that would be how that would play out in that particular conversation, and, and I'm sure other things too. But so my phone can easily become a distraction. So where are those things that are distracting you from even more important things? Take a look at that. We've been in this, in this series on distracted. We've been then using Acts 2.42 to highlight what the early church has said they are going to stay devoted to. They're not going to let anything distract us from these couple of things. And that's, how, that's, our, that's what, our, what our series has been. The, 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 the apostles' teaching was one week. We will not be distracted from the apostles' teaching. And then they would say something like, the fellowship. We will not be distracted from fellowship. And then it was the breaking of bread. We will not be distracted from breaking bread. And today we're going to look at prayer. Here it is. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So that's what we're going to talk about today, the prayers. What is that? And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into this message, okay? Here we go. Father, we thank you and praise you for this incredible Hakuna Matata. To be able to be together. What a wonderful phrase. As a church. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no person crazy. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free. Philosophy. Hakuna Matata. God, just please draw us serious sound people did that just happen wow wow uh i have no idea why when i thought to myself during the opening prayer i'm gonna play a song i have no idea why that was the first thing that came to my mind but that's what came to my mind 
And uh, so, hey, man, man, why is it that we can so easily be distracted from stuff? And, and, and especially distracted today in, the, in this focus, prayer, prayer. If we were to right now, if I were to ask us to pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we get done with that. And then I were to ask you to reflect on, did you, were you able to stay focused through that prayer? I don't think a single person would be able to say, yeah, I went through that whole thing and I was zeroed in on that baby the whole time. I just don't think, I think parts of it you'd have been. And then other parts you'd have been smelling the person next to you or whatever. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Why do we get so distracted from prayer? And obviously the little song, that's kind of like a little funny kind of way to get into it. But isn't it true that all of a sudden like time or busyness, all of a sudden we're not praying. We're not talking to God about stuff. Or, or, or um, you know, just the craziness of life. Or maybe I got this God. I don't even need this time of prayer because right now things are okay. And so your, your, your view of prayer is warped because you think of prayer as only being used when things are bad or whatever it might be. There's actually, an, there's so much opportunity for us to be distracted from this thing called prayer. And the early church said, we will be devoted to it. So much so, I want to point you uh, point this out to you. In Acts chapter seven-ish, six-ish, Acts chapter six is, the, the early church is looking for some other leaders that need to be kind of part of the church body and such, okay? And th- they're like, well, what, okay, well, let's, Let's get some other people to help wait on t- uh, t- tables and help some of our widows and stuff like that. And I want you to see this in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 4. The, the disciples said, but we, we're going to need to find some of these other leaders to do some of the activity that needs done. But as the, the disciples, as the kind of the key leaders of our church, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The early church, the early church leadership realized, and just, I want you to see that, they recognized the importance of prayer so much that they were even saying, we can't even feed the widow person, we'll find people, we're going to get that done, but we can't even let good things distract us from the, the, the importance of prayer in our lives. Most of you aren't doing bad things, a lot of you simply have really good things that are distracting you from more important things. You're being distracted often by good things, but it's distracting you from even more important things. How's your prayer life doing? How are you doing in your prayer life right now? Just in your conversations with God and the way you talk to God. Listen, this is ultimately going to be a sermon kind of on prayer which you could go a million different ways. Actually, it was funny. Matt reached out to me this past week. He's like, hey, I'm picking songs for this week. He's like, what, what is your kind of key text for prayer? I was like, all of them, all the Bible, the whole Bible on prayer. I don't know. I don't even know. There's just, there's so many angles you could take on prayer. And I was trying to think, yeah, where, where am I going with this thing on prayer? Because that's all I'm really preaching on is them. They are going to devote themselves to prayer. So my, my, here's the breakdown of this sermon today. The breakdown is simply this. Where do we start and why pray? Where do we start? Why pray? And I want to, the, the whole why do we start thing, um, the whole, uh, I want to ask it 
as if I'm talking to somebody who's not a believer in God, where, where, does, where does someone like that start? And then I want to ask, what about somebody that's a believer in God? So where do we start? See, we ultimately have to start trying to get away from the idolatry of prayer. See, prayer itself can turn into this idol, which is kind of fascinating. I never really thought about this until a couple of years ago, where I started to realize that even I, some of that had crept into my own life. It, there's a book, there's, there's a book up that, that's been really influential for me. This guy, Paul Miller, A Praying Life, that I've, I've read and I've actually had our leadership teams read here at The Dwelling. Um, he talks about, and I love this vision that he gives. He's like, sometimes we focus so much on prayer that we don't focus on God. And prayer turns into like somebody sitting in a car looking through the window. They're like, he's like, you don't look at the window, you look through the window, right? You're looking to see the stuff outside the window. You don't sit and stare at your window. And sometimes with like prayer, we're staring at prayer. You don't have to stare at prayer. We're to stare through prayer to the one, God, who's out. He's not the window. Does that make sense? And that's been really helpful for me. And so what is the idolatry of prayer? Well, let's, let's look at this a little bit. I want to take you, here, here's the thing. If, if we're going to talk about somebody that doesn't have faith in God, what are some of the challenges for that person in connection to this thing called prayer? And you might be here this morning, you might be watching us online, which we are live now, right? Hashtag boom, that's so exciting. Um, uh, you might not be a believer in God. You might not have faith in God. And I'm so glad you're here because we want to be a church that is like, yes, we're a church where people can come with questions and all that kind of stuff. And so if you don't have faith in God, how are you going to relate to this thing called prayer? I want to show you some stuff that the Bible actually talks about, about you. Here's what it says. Proverbs 28. Now, this isn't all of the verses or something. This is just a couple that I found. Uh, Proverbs 28 says this. Verse 9-ish. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, and the law there could potentially be even the gospel, uh, the way the, the law gets articulated sometimes in the Old Testament, it includes actually gospel thinking too. So one, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Uh-oh, I'm going to go there a little bit here today. So... What does that mean? Does God even hear the prayer of someone that doesn't have faith in him? That's something worth chewing on a little bit. That's something worth chewing on a little bit. Hey, take, go to James chapter 1. Go to James chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. This is what it says. But let him ask this person, he's talking about a, a person, but let him ask in faith, let him pray in faith, let him talk to God in faith um, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded. So if we, if we don't have faith in God, and we want to start talking about this thing called prayer, the, the reality, and this shouldn't really shock you even that much, the reality is, is there's going to be some real struggle there <laughs> with saying it, 
and maybe even receiving it. Now, I got to be careful to not get too black and white on this because, and you probably don't remember this, but I preached a message years ago talking about all of us being creatures of God and there being a relationship there even when you don't realize it. And so there is something about even the atheist who cries out to, ah, I don't even know what, I don't even believe in you, but there's a kind of crying outness there that can happen. There's something to that. But let me just, let me just dig here a little bit. I'm, I kind of went after this idea, hopefully getting you chewing on it a little bit. Uh, somebody that has no faith, man, prayer, this is going to be really... Would you even want God to hear your prayer? Um, see, in 2 Samuel, I don't have it on the screen, but in 2 Samuel, there's a story where King Saul, there's a guy named King, uh, Saul, he's a king, and King Saul has this battle in front of him. He's got all his troops and all the bad enemies' troops are in front of him, and he's like, ooh, am I going to win or not? And so what he does is he cries out to God, and the text says that God doesn't answer him. And then the very next verses are he goes and seeks out a median or like this, uh, this person who can kind of do, uh, uh, work some stuff so that she could maybe help him see how the outcome is going to be and such. See, I think sometimes we turn prayer into like magic. We, we turn prayer into this thing. Like, the, the, look, at the, look at the prayer emojis. You guys ever do social media? That thing? You see that thing ever? I'll be honest with you, I get annoyed about the prayer emoji thing. Not, not, when, not when I know people are praying, but when I'm like, I don't think they're praying. They shot me the prayer emoji thing, but I don't think that person's even really praying. Does that make sense? Like the prayer emoji has to be connected to prayer. You, you gotta wanna pray it. You can't, you can't just drop me a good vibe. I don't, I don't understand some of that. And it's amazing because something bad will happen and there's just a million of these emojis that go up and I'm like, cool, if people are praying. But I don't even think they're praying. I think we start to change prayer into like magic that we kind of tap into the idol of prayer itself. It's not that there's a God and he's in control of my life and all. It's that we tap into this idol of this thing called prayer, the windshield of prayer, and we sit and stare at the windshield, which the other day I got a little nick in my windshield and now I do kind of look at my windshield, which is super annoying. Do you know what I'm saying? Why would God not let that little rock fly way over here and go click? He put that baby, my right eyeball stares. I, my eyeball stares at the little nick in the window. It's unbelievable to me. But, but, but you know, we're not to stare at the window, the windshield. We're to look through it. Prayer, when it's turned into this magical thing, which I think a lot of people who don't have faith in God still do the little prayer emoji. Is God going to hear that stuff? See, I don't know. I don't want to drop like this idea that, no, he's not going to. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that today. I am just going to challenge this idea a little bit. This idea that we've turned prayer maybe into this like magical thing that we can kind of like tap into prayer. Ah. Uh, no, it's about, a, it's about God. 
So where do we start with something like this? With somebody who's not, doesn't even have faith. Um, what about somebody that does have faith? What are the challenges that might be there? Look at James chapter 4, verse 3. Now this is maybe somebody who does have faith. Somebody who believes in God. But, there, but, but how can prayer be kind of twisted there maybe? There's so many different things we could say today. But look at James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You, you believe in God. And the idol might not even be the idol of prayer necessarily, although I could see that being there too. But your focus isn't so much on God. Your focus isn't so much on prayer. Your focus is on the thing that you want. Where, this could be a struggle for somebody who's actually a believer in Jesus. They, they believe in Jesus, they believe he hears prayer, they believe it, but when they pray, their prayer is so zeroed in on the thing, and it's the wrong heart. Um, there's a story... Go, go look at Matthew. If you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 7. I want to just read this to you. This is fascinating to me. We have a couple of scriptures on the front of this message, but, but just look at this. And when you pray, this is Jesus himself teaching this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret. Notice, look at that relationship. Pray to your father, looking through the windshield, who is in secret, and he will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. That can be a real problem, even in the church today, isn't it? You got to make prayer sound nice. It's got to be pretty. I hear people say that kind of stuff. And it's not even your fault. It's been subtly taught to you by somebody else who probably didn't even mean anything bad by it. These are some of the challenges for those who don't have faith and some of those who do have faith. That's just the reality. So what if I don't believe in God? Where would I start today? If I don't believe in God, but I want to pray, or I want to kind of think about that a little bit, where would I start? The answer is simply faith. The answer is actually really simple, and it's actually really cool for you. So if I'm talking to you and you don't believe in God, it's cool because you actually have some promises from God that are just incredibly like, like clear and direct. He just like promises them to you. Like something like Romans 10. You know, if we believe with our, if we believe and we confess with our mouth, we will be saved. That, isn't that interesting? That's like somebody who doesn't believe and the promise is, well, if you believe, you'll be saved. That's incredible. Or, or, um, Got a couple others here, like 1 John. Yeah, I shared this earlier, 1 John 1, 9. 
if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and he will forgive you. So if you don't believe in God, and you, you're like, okay, where would, I, where would I start with prayer? You'd start with a confession of your sin and looking to him for salvation, Jesus. And the, what's amazing is that he promised, it's actually promised to you, you'll receive that. Does that make sense? Like when I pray, I'm a follower of Jesus, okay? I'm a child of God. When I pray for a new motorcycle, I'm never in the, in the entire Bible, I never pray, I never, I never am promised that I'm gonna get that thing. Does that make sense? As an unbeliever, who doesn't believe in God, you are promised eternal life if we turn to him. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say there? Like where would be the starting spot for somebody in this topic of prayer, where would be the starting, start, starting spot for someone who doesn't believe? The starting spot would be believing. <clears throat> that would be the starting spot. That's where you'd... That's where you'd have to start. And then almost, you know, if, especially if you're like an edu- if you're really educated and you're like a deep thinker person, you get this. You get that that would have to be the starting spot. There's got to be a relationship there or otherwise you're like, I'm not, I wouldn't even do that. You know what I'm saying? Kind of what I'm trying to say. And so if you don't believe in God, the starting place for you with this topic of prayer is believing in God. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, believing in him, trusting in him. Uh, Luke 11, I want you to just see this quickly. Luke 11, 11, that's always fun to remember. Luke 11, 11, 11, 11, here's what it says. This, one, this is just a fantastic verse. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then... If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more is God going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Today, if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you and you desire that, it's promised to you to simply ask and you're going to receive that. And he's working that. When you do that, when you cry out to him, he's the one that's doing that work in your life. That's good stuff. So if you don't know where to start because you're an unbeliever, it's looking to Jesus. It's looking to Jesus, but it's not looking to Jesus and maybe something will happen. It's looking to Jesus and he promises he will give. Ah, that's good stuff. Where would we start if we're, if we're a believer in Jesus? Like where would we go? How would we start thinking about next steps for me in my prayer life if I do believe in God? Which a lot of you believe in God here. You believe in Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You've been baptized. You're a follower of Jesus. All this stuff, where would I go? What is this? How are you going to speak to me about this message? I want to share three quick things with you that I was, this is just from me kind of as I'm wrestling with prayer. This was my kind of challenge to you. The first is this. If you don't know how to pray, but you're like, I believe in God, I trust in him, but I, I want to grow in prayer. And you know what? I really don't pray very much. I'm actually super distracted from prayer. The first thing I'd simply say is something like this. Start utilizing some written prayers. And don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of written down prayers. And, I, and you, you might say, well, okay, where would I find written down prayers? How, 
How would I even do that? Because see, see, some of you don't even, you're like, I don't even, okay, if I were to be in my room by myself and I was sitting there and I, okay, okay, I'm gonna try to do what uh, Seth said. And so I'm gonna start talking to God. You wouldn't even know where to start. And that kind of freaks you out. That's okay, that's okay. And that's what I'm saying. Maybe start with some written prayers. And a really cool, there's an entire book of the Bible there's an entire book of the Bible that are prayers. They're psalms. They're songs. They're prayers to God. It's in the very middle of the Bible. I think literally God helped us with that a little bit just by, you know. And so all you literally have to do is take just about any Bible and you can open it up to the very middle and you're going to be in this book most likely called the Psalms. P-S-A-L-M. I looked quick to make sure. The Psalms. The Psalms are prayers to God. There's 150 of these puppies, and they're incredible gifts that have been given to the church to be used by the church. And I actually think we turn the Psalms sometimes into these things that are like for the, for the really, for if you really know God, then you get into the Psalms. First, I just start with little things like, you know, whatever, however. And then someday I get to the Psalms. I think it's just the opposite. I think the Psalms have been given to us by God as an entry spot for prayer. You don't know what to pray? You don't know how to pray to God? Start reading the Psalms. You see what I'm saying? You just start reading these babies, and what'll happen is God set this up in such a way so that you're starting, you start to pray stuff that you're like, oh, shoot, that's, that is kind of my prayer. That is kind of what I would maybe say here. See? And it'll, it'll be said a little different because remember, this has been being used for thousands of years. God's been letting God, his people pray like this. You don't know where to pray? Start in the Psalms. Start memorizing some basic prayers. You know, I, I brought up last time, about the, like, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, like a little, a little table prayer. Don't be afraid to memorize something like that. Utilize that. Start incorporating that into your family or into your own personal life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the job site, I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to sit down with all these other guys around me, and I'm just going to bow my head, and I'm going to pray silently to myself. I don't know what to say. What do I, how do I, should I go faster or slower? All these guys are around. Oh, I'm just going to say, come Lord Jesus, be my guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. Oh, and boom, you've you got to memorize the prayer. The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a fantastic prayer to memorize and pray and say on a regular basis. If you are a Christian, if you're a follower of God and you don't know how to start praying, you don't know where to go first, start with some written prayers. Now, don't go on YouTube and look up like written prayer and have like, you know, some fruitcake or something. Maybe stay with, start with the Psalms. Go to somebody you trust. Look at some written prayers and don't be afraid to pray them. Now, that's just my first point. My second point is begin to incorporate some random stuff in there. Don't be afraid to incorporate some random stuff. And so you got your written prayers? Well, don't be afraid to just start praying whenever. And here's the deal. This book, actually, John Miller, he really helped me think about, because uh, I've read a lot of books that were more like, don't pray for a parking spot. This is the first guy I ever read who's like, why, why wouldn't I pray for a parking spot? I'm going to talk to God about everything in my day. And I kind of like that. That kind of freed me up to be like, you know what? I kind of want that parking spot. So please, Lord, open that baby up. And if it doesn't, no big deal. But here's the deal. I'm going to pray it. I don't actually pray that one too much. There's a lot of you praying for the Astros to win. I know that. There was prayers. 
literal, literal prayers were going up to God. I don't know what I think about that, but whatever. That's a little weird to me. It worked. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but here's the deal. If, if, okay, you might start with some written prayers, then start incorporating some random stuff, random prayers. Just keeping it casual, keeping it talking. Just start talking. I, and, and there's so many different ways you can do this. Sometimes I try to actually like imagine, like if I'm driving in my car, I'm trying to like, okay, Jesus is literally sitting here in this seat next to me. I'm gonna just start talking to him. You know, you might try something like that. There's different ways you can do this. There's not one way you can do this necessarily, but just start talking to God about anything and everything. You're ticked off? Say it. You're happy? Say it. You want this? Say it. Say it to him, though. Don't say it to the windshield. Don't say it focused on this magical thing called prayer or something. Say it to God. You see what I'm saying, what I mean by that? So start incorporating some random stuff. And then my third point is this. Start incorporating some structure into your prayer. And I think, the, I think there's something to be said here about the entire Christian life having this kind of balance between these three. And I'll bet you there's a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. That's fine. These are the three for me today. Incorporate some structure. What do I mean by that? That means you might have a moment where you kind of say, you know what, every morning I'm going to wake up at 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever time you wake up, and I'm going to give five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 to just prayer, and I'm going to start praying uh, in a structured kind of way, how could that be? Well, I might journal. Or uh, 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 something I've tried personally to do is, is have note cards. So I actually have a card that says different things and then another card that says different things and then another card that says different things. And each of my kids, for example, gets their own card. The dwelling as a whole church body gets a card. I try to incorporate you guys as a card. And so there, there, that's a more structured way of doing it. That's, that's less random and all this kind of stuff. That's just a little more structure to it. And my challenge today is to see that there's not one that's the only way or something like that, but it's, it's just a starting place of incorporating those things into your prayer life. So if you're focused on just the windshield, maybe you need to just give yourself the freedom to just pray about anything. You know what, I always feel bad when I pray about a parking spot. Maybe just give yourself the freedom to pray whatever the heck you want to pray. Just talk to God about anything and everything. Maybe that's all you ever do and you get really distracted and so you need some structure in your prayer life. You need a five or 10 or 20 minutes set aside where I'm just gonna pray through my cards. Does that make sense? I hope I'm talking to somebody. So, and the same I would say about written prayers. It, don't be afraid, don't freak out about written prayers. I read a commentary, uh, this, I think it was this past week, on that text from that gospel reading about uh, don't lift up empty phrases and stuff. And the, tri uh, the, the interpreter or the, 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 the uh, commentator twist, in my opinion, twisted it to say any kind of written prayer or something like that or a prayer you say over and over again is bad. And I was like, that's bullcrap. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prays, then he goes over to the disciples and it comes back and it says he prays the same thing. Then he goes back and he comes back, he prays the same thing. Listen, if you're praying the same thing for the past 15 years, keep praying it. Does that make sense? There's a bunch of Bible stuff about that too. The persistent widow who just keeps praying it and praying it and praying it. Keep bugging Jesus. Keep knocking on the door. Keep bugging him. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So that's where I'm going to stop there. 
If you don't have faith, the, the key to prayer is going to be starting in faith. If you do have faith in Jesus, the starting spot I'm going to just kind of give out are those three tips today. Start with some written prayers. Write them, uh, read them right from the Psalms. Get to know them. Get to know the Psalms. That's actually a goal of mine in my life. One of my goals is actually to get to know the Psalms at a deeper level but my commitment to that is like over the next 40 years. Does that make sense? Because I know, like, I read through the Psalms quite a bit, but I'm like, man, this is going to be gold in 40 years as I get to know it and get to know it and get to know it. So let, let the Psalms drive you, then just start praying about anything and everything, and then pr- maybe put some structure in your life as well. Okay, so that was, all of that was simply... Where do we start? The question now I want to simply ask is this. Why even pray? Why pray? Why pray? There's so much that could be said here. There's so much that could be said here. Why pray? And I'm just going to say this today. And I'll preach other prayer messages and they'll have different aspects to it. Today, I want to just say this. The importance of prayer is because we need it. We need. We need. Um, Listen to this quote. This is from this Paul Miller guy. He says this. We received Jesus because we were weak. And that's how then we follow him. We forget that helplessness is actually how the Christian life works. I kind of like that. Why do we pray? We pray because we're helpless and need it. We need prayer. Not so much the windshield but we need the person on the other side of the windshield, Jesus, you see what I'm saying? And so, why do we pray? Because it's such a desperate need of ours. This is something the early church really understood. Here's a church, think about this. This is a church that is built off of, 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 the Israelites, Jewish thought at the time of who God is. And God is, is supreme, he's the Alpha, he's the Omega, he's the one who's chosen his people, all this kind of stuff, right? But now they get challenged with the, because of how it kind of got twisted in their hearts and minds. Now they get challenged because this one who claims to be God is hanging on a cross. And this would have just, it had been so opposite for their thinking. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a cross. He can't be God. He's on a cross, dying. See, so my point is this. The early church has the entire world looking at them. They have been brought the gift of faith. 
And now this gift of faith that's been given to them is being told by them, go share this with everybody. The message itself is impossible. It would, it's going to be an impossible message to give out. A message like, hey, y'all get 100 bucks when you leave the door. Easy message for everybody to grab onto. Everybody can get that, grasp that, and be like, I'm heading to the door as soon as we say amen. A message like, you're a sinner, and you're in need of salvation from one who's died on a cross to save you from your sin, and he rose from the dead so that you might have life someday. This is a message, well, the Apostle Paul says it's going to be foolishness to those who won't believe. It's a message that it, you can't get your head around that. You're not going to be able to get your head around it. The early church recognized that. And so this small little group of people, and now in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the only thing we know is there's a couple hundred people, and now maybe thousands, because of the 3,000 that got baptized by Peter on Pentecost, Right? There's a small group of people. We're not talking about, you know, the billions of Christians that are in the world today or something like that. I don't know what the number is. I don't know. Hundreds of millions, billions, whatever. That's all we're talking about. We're talking about this small little group of people whose lives have been wrecked by this Jesus guy. And now they're looking out and they're like, okay, how the heck are we going to sell this to the world? And the answer is it's impossible. They're not going to be able to sell it to the world. The world's set up at this time, whether it's Rome and Greek thought or whether it's the Jewish thought at the time, nobody's like prepped and ready for this message in the sense that they're going to be able to get it and understand it. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Watch this. Here's my point. So what do they got? prayer. That's all they got. They're like, there's no way this is going to advance the way God wants it to advance. It, the only way, it's actually impossible. See, it's actually impossible for somebody to become a follower of Jesus. Only by the grace of God. Do you see that? You can't conjure that up. You can't make it happen. It's received only from him. And so when it, with God, all things are possible. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Do you see that? And so all of a sudden, the impossible becomes possible. And the early church recognizes, we got a few hundred of us. We got a few thousand of us. We're supposed to go and make disciples of the entire world. The only thing we should do is devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So much so that the leaders said, we need to get you guys to start giving food and stuff to the widows, but we are going to devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and the prayers. We are going to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, and we're just going to keep praying. Why? Because it's the only one who's going to do this kind of movement is God himself. See, that's the hard part of prayer today. We look around and we're like, well, if we just added something cooler, then. Or if we just did this, then. Or if they would just do this, then. And we're so, we're kind of set up in such a way that we start to think we get to control it. 
And we start setting up this thing where we kind of, we're overseeing how it all plays out. And we kind of, we only go to God maybe in prayer when it's the last thing we would do. Does that make sense? So, all I'm saying here is, why do we pray? We pray because we desperately need to pray. We desperately need it for more things in your life than you realize. Do you realize that you're breathing right now because God's letting you breathe right now? You woke up this morning because God let you wake up this morning? You drove here and you didn't get a flat tire because God let you not get a flat tire? You drove here and you did get a flat tire and God let you get a flat tire? You know? It's all God, though. It's, it's, it's God. It's, it's God who's in control. Um, this, this is from a guy that I really like, Eugene Peterson. He says this of prayer. Praying puts us at risk of getting involved in God's conditions. Praying starts to, it's risky to pray because it starts to draw you into the things of God. It starts to reveal to you the things that he is doing and the things that he's up to in your life, in other people's lives. Guys, Jesus went to the cross for you. Every single person. If you're a believer in here, he went to the cross for you. If you're not a believer here or watching online, he went to the cross for you. He died for you. He rose from the dead for you. He promises eternal life to anybody, everybody. He saves... For God so loved the whole world. Everybody. Prayer is this incredible gift. It's this conversational relationship piece that we get with the God of the universe. And he, it's only possible because of him doing that for us. He's gifted that to us. We get to walk in that in every single aspect of our lives. When you get sick, First you go to the doctor, then you do this, then you do this, then you do this. And prayer, you know, it happened to me. When I got COVID back in, it was funny, I, I shot out a text saying, hey, to my family, pray. And one of my sisters was like, why are you just sending it now? You've had it for like a week. See how that works? See how you just like the last thing you go to? It's just amazing. In our hearts, guys, we just got to keep an eye on that. The early church, they're like... We have to have it. We cannot get distracted from prayer. We need it that bad. I have to have it. That's why I'm asking you guys, what's distracting you from prayer? What's distracting you from prayer? And let's ask God. Let's ask God to help us to be able to identify it and boot it from our life. Let's pray. Lord, Wow, thank you that we can come and talk to you. Uh, thank you, God, that we can come and talk to you and that we can um, just have a relationship with you. That you, You've made that possible. Be, it, without you, I mean, that, that's what my point was when I said it's impossible to believe. It, it's, it's impossible apart from you, but with you, God, you make all things possible. You make it so that we can have that relationship with you. And to the world, it's foolishness. To us, it's the very power of God. And, um, and I don't know, Lord, I just, this morning, just even as I'm just talking to you about this, like, 
please be with our church. Please be with our, 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 our church family. Please be with those who are watching online. With this particular topic of, of distraction, um, sorry for where we've turned prayer into this magical thing or, or something like that. Just forgive us for that, please, Lord. Help us to look to you with faith, trusting in you, and then talking to you. And God, this sermon isn't the all-encompassing sermon on prayer. There's so much about prayer. So as we open up your word and we start looking at how you talk to us about prayer, guide us in that, lead us in that. Thank you for the gifts of the Psalms. Wow, I'm thinking of somebody in this room that maybe doesn't know how to pray. Like They're like, ah, I don't even know what to do. Wow, thank you that we have 150 prayers that we can open the Bible to and be like, here's some we can just read. So I praise you for that gift this morning. Thank you for the gift of, of um, I guess that we can pray about anything and everything. So I thank you for that. Um, yeah, God, just meet each of us where we are today around this topic of prayer and help us to, to be given courage through the power of your Holy Spirit to take that next step with you. And then God, just lastly here, I'm just thinking of that person who doesn't believe in you. They maybe don't have faith and trust in you. Like they wonder about it or it's not like they're anti you or something. They just, I don't know, God, I just pray for that person today. Reveal yourself to them. Um, just, just show up in their life. Show up in their life, God, in, in a way that would just move them to recognize their flaws, their failures in relationship with their creator. And then to see that you don't just hate them and you want to beat them or something. You love them. And show them that you have a life for them that's way cooler than anything that they could ever imagine. Please show them that today. And as they turn to you in faith, that first, it's that, that prayer. As that prayer gets heard, I just pray that you'd uh, just reveal yourself to them in that. Lord, we love you and we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.